Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Matthew 6, verse 25. Matthew 6, verse 25. I love this passage. I love this passage. I just want to, I want to build some confidence tonight. Amen. You know, we got to have some confidence. You got to have some confidence in what God can do. You got to have some confidence. You got to be assured. You can't walk into this thing haphazardly. I hope it works. I'm going to try it out. Man, let's have some confidence that what God said would happen would happen. What his word promises, it will come to pass. We got to have some assurance about this thing. He says, boldly come before the throne of grace. Boldly come before the throne of grace. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 in the New Living, it reads this way. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Don't worry about it. Look at your neighbor say, don't worry about it. What's the first thing you want to do when someone tells you do not worry? <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. When I, when I tell my son that when he's sitting in the dentist chair about to get a tooth pulled, hey, don't worry. What's he thinking? What are they about to do to me? Right? Your, your mind wants to run crazy. Your mind wants to get all kinds of pictures and images and ideas of, of what's going to happen, what's the result, what's the outcome. And what do you start doing? You start imagining it. You start picturing it. How many of you have pictured defeat before? You, you've seen it far worse than it's ever played out in your life, right? Has it ever been that bad? Has it ever actually owned up? Has it ever been, has it ever been as you know, dismantled as we can imagine in our minds? See, this is an imagination thing. This is, this is a picture thing. This is an image thing, right? Be renewed by, or be transformed, how? By the renewing of your, your mind. It happens here way before it happens out here. It's already, took, it's already taken place here. Man, if we could take control of our thought life, that's half the battle right there. That's half the battle right there. Y'all have heard before? right? The, the mind is the what? The battlefield. That's where the battle's taking place. If we can win the battle here, I can tell you, you're going to execute out here in life everything God's called you to do. I want to take my thinking under control. I think it was Brother Hagin that said the most disastrous thing for a believer is an unruled thought life, an uncontrolled thought life, an unsubmitted thought life, just letting your mind run, just letting images come in and come out. He says, do not worry. This is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Now look what he says. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. He's saying they don't do half the stuff we do as humans. And he gave us the capacity to store food. He gave us the capacity to fill barns. He gave us the, the, the capacity to sow and to reap. He gave us those capacities. But here's the thing. He's saying, I don't want you to be limited by those capacities. I've given you the ability to do these things, but that ability is not what is sustaining you. He reminds us, I'm the one sustaining you. See, this is tough because, you know, when we get a job or when we make an income, we bring in a paycheck, the first thing we want to say is, I did this. I, I brought this in. 
I worked hard for this. You want to take some ownership. Well, God wants you to be proud of your labor, but he doesn't want you to be limited by your labor. There's a difference. I can be proud of the work and the investment I put in, but I don't want to live limited by that. Ultimately, who's sustaining me? My heavenly father. See, the birds, they don't even toil. They don't even harvest. They don't even do half of what you're doing, but yet they are taken care of by the heavenly father. What's he saying? You you have the capacity. You have the ability to do these things, but don't live by those limitations. I want to expand you beyond that. Because see, here's what happens is we are proud of our abilities when they're producing, but then we're discouraged by our abilities when they don't. And he's saying, either way, I'm the one control. I'm the one taking care of. I'm the one that's in uh, uh, the a bit that has the responsibility of sustaining you. The heavenly Father has personally made Himself responsible for your sustenance. I'll say that again. Your heavenly Father has personally made Himself responsible for your provision, your sustenance, your sustainability, your growth. He has made. He said. This is my this is my realm. I want to take care of you. I didn't give you the ability to sow and to reap and to fill barns and store and do all these things so you could live by your own standards. I have given you the ability to do those things to trust in me. I'm the one that's sustaining you. I'm the one that's keeping you. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him? than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I think we all know the answer to that one, don't we? Look, worry takes far more than it adds. Worry takes far more than you, you don't gain by worry, you lose by worry. Worry is a way of, that sucks life out of you and sucks resources out of you, sucks time. It pulls on you, right? Nobody feels better. Man, I feel so good now that I've worried about that. I feel so encouraged. I'm glad I spent the last 30 minutes worrying about what my future is going to look like. I'm so encouraged. Let's move on with life, right? No, nobody's made better by worry. We're made less by worry, less confident, less assured, you don't, you don't gain confidence by worrying about something. And worrying is different from planning. Worrying is different from planning. A lot of times we see these words, do not worry, and then we have this idea, well, let go and let God. No, God wants you involved in the process, but he wants to be involved in the process. Amen. And let me tell you, when God's involved in the process, it can't fail. I said it can't fail. When God is involved, I wonder, have we involved God in our process? You got a report of sickness in your body. Have you involved God in the process of restoring the healing in your body? Have you involved him in the, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, don't take medicine. I'm saying, is he involved in the process? Is he allowed into the equation? And sometimes the equation is, don't go see a doctor. I'm going to completely restore and heal your body. That's a word from God. But sometimes a word from God is go get this checked out, go have this procedure done, and I'm gonna make sure that, the, that there will be no complications. You'll be fully restored. You'll heal 10 times faster than what they said you would. Amen? Because we involve God in the process. He's saying your heavenly father, he wants to be involved in the process. You can store, you can sow, 
You can reap, you can build the barns, fill the barns, you can do all the things naturally that you need to do. But in the end, trust your heavenly father, not in the stuff, not in the job, not in the paycheck. I lose the job today, I'll still be sustained. I bugged the mess out of my employees. I was working in banking in 2008. Not a good time to be in banking. (laughs) Not a good, when there's a financial crisis, like this country almost has never seen. I mean, crazy stuff. Millionaires uh, uh, reduced to paupers. Millionaires in real estate all of a sudden reduced to having to get a job at Waffle House. Craziness going on. And for me to look at coworkers that I wondered, are, are, is our branch going to be shut down? There's not enough work. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, man, I lose this job tomorrow. I'll either find another one or God will take care of me. See, the job wasn't the answer. The job was just part of the equation. My job was on this side of the equal sign. Amen. So how many of you can add a single moment to your life. No, you just lose moments. Why worry about your clothing, he says. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing. Who works and makes clothing? We do, humans. I mean, not literally. I don't, you know, make clothing. I'm not in that department. But as humans, what is he saying? You, you, This group, I've given the ability and I've given the talent and I've given the gift of making clothing. Why are you worried about it? It's because we start to trust in the resource instead of the source. We start to trust in our ability to do things. This is the catch 22 when God created us and gave us dominion and gave us authority on this earth and gave us all the creative uh, uh, powers and abilities uh, that we have in our life. That wasn't so that we could go and dismiss God from the equation. That was so I could play a part. The flowers, they don't get to play a part. They are clothed for them. The birds don't get to play a part. They are taken care of by the heavenly father. So he's saying, I've involved you. I've given you abilities that they don't have, but please do not dismiss what your heavenly father wants to do in your life. Worry should not be a component in our life because we've been given the abilities, the creative abilities that he's given us. Look at at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God so, uh, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Look what he says here. Why do you have so little faith? You know, the Bible talks about levels of faith. There's no faith. Little faith, small faith, there's even great faith. Faith ought to grow. Faith is, a, is, is like a muscle, is what I liken it to. Muscles can grow. We, we all have muscles developed to greater or lesser degrees. We all have them. You have faith, but, <laughs> but what have you developed it to? What have you strengthened it to? What have you grown it to is what he's trying to identify. So why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? 
or what will we drink, or what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. He said these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. What's he say here? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So let's look at a few things. First, we've seen this before, but this worry, this word worry actually means to be divided into two parts. That's literally what this word worry means. When I am in the midst of worry, that means I'm actually betwixt between two positions. It means I'm actually standing between God will, God can, God is, and will God, if God, can God. We, we, turn, we turn statements, de- uh, you know, declarative statements into questions. So instead of faith is now, we turn it into is faith now. We start asking questions out of what God declares, out of what God decrees, out of what God says is. We doubt it. We question it. Mark chapter 11 says, do not doubt in your heart. Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, have faith in God. Do not doubt in your heart. Doubt and worry. You know, another word for worry in the Bible, Philippians chapter 4, says uh, be anxious for nothing. That's the same word, anxious. means to be worried. It means to be divided into two parts. It means I haven't come, I haven't confidently come to a conclusion. I have not confidently come to a conclusion. Now, confidence is huge. Worry builds where there is no confidence. When I don't have a, a, a confidence in God's word, when I don't have a confidence in who I am, when I don't have a confidence in what my father is capable of, when I do not have a confidence, worry is the result, right? If you're not confident about something, worry's involved. Every single one of you sat down in your chair. I mean, I didn't study you or watch you, but what I did not see was anybody going. Okay, it's good. I got her. You sat down confidently. (laughs) Like you knew that chair was going to hold you up. You would have been surprised if it broke underneath you, right? You would have been shocked. Like what? What just happened? I sit in this same seat every week. <laughs> we a lot of, you got your you got your name under there and a lot of us sitting in that same chair every week, right? You know that chair is going to hold you up. That's called confidence. Confidence is God is when you're surprised if he doesn't come through. I would I would be shocked if he didn't do it. That's confidence. That's assurance. 
That's confidence. There's no worry. Worry and confidence cannot reside together. Worry and confidence cannot reside together. Look, I want us to be confident. In times like these, I want us to be confident. I want you to speak confidently. Now, there's a lot of believers that will speak in faith, but they're not confident in their heart. It's just words. And eventually, what's in your heart will come out. We can play games for a little while. We can, we can sound spiritual. We can sound faith. But, but ultimately, eventually, what's in your heart will come out. If you're not confident in your heart, eventually you won't be confident in your mouth. David charged Goliath confidently. I'd be surprised if my God doesn't help me defeat this giant. Yeah. Abraham, the Bible tells us, took his only son Isaac that God had just promised him and given him, took him up the mountain and was confident if he's going to take this child from me, then he's going to have to resurrect him and bring him back from the dead. That's a confidence. That's an assurance. That's a boldness. There's a boldness that comes on your life when you're confident about stuff. You ever seen people that sounded confident initially, but then you challenged them and charged them a little bit, and they're like, well, you know, now that I think about it, You know, so some of us initially, we start out confident. We start out bold. Yeah, my God is going to do it. And then the devil starts challenging. Are you sure? There's still symptoms in your body. Are you sure he's going to hit? Well, I mean, maybe he's trying to teach me something. Then we start buying the lies of the enemy. Like we talked about last week. Those little lies. Laced. Truth laced with lies, right? Then we start trying to prove things. out. No, there has to be a fixed position. On God's word. You know, hope in the Bible is defined as a confident expectation. Confident expectation. A confident expectation. I heard someone say one time that worry is temporary atheism. Worry is temporary atheism. When I'm operating in worry, it's a small little sliver of moment where I'm questioning is God, will God, can God. Look, I'm either confident in what God can do or I'm worried about what God can do. Look, we gotta sure this thing up. This might be challenging some of us to say, man, I, I gotta build some confidence. I hope it does. Yeah, next time we sing Do It Again, I want us to sing the song, Do It Again, knowing I've seen you move. You move. You know how it is. We cross one mountain, and the next mountain looks bigger than the last mountain. And we're like, I know you brought me through that, but God, you see, see this mountain over here. You brought me through that water, but you haven't seen this water over here. Like we try to convince God, are you sure? He helped us slay that giant, but this one's 10 feet taller. Right? The next battle always seems bigger than the last battle. The size of, it's not the size of my battle, it's the size of my God. But many times, we don't have the confidence. See, confidence doesn't change who God is. It changed how I see. It changes how I see who God is. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
I said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You ever heard the word magnify? Magnify the Lord? You know what happens when you magnify something? It gets bigger. I had a magnifying glass when I was a kid. Right? And you can magnify some bugs. Be careful, though. If you get the sun on it just right, it'll burn them up. Anybody done that? No, that's an old school trick. Roly polies. I, haven't, I was telling my son the other day, he didn't even know what a roly-poly was. I was like, I haven't seen any. Maybe they went extinct or something. Y'all seen any roly-polies lately? I, do they have those down here? In Texas, they got them everywhere. That's like the, the state bug. That and mosquitoes. You magnify the Lord. There's no better way to build confidence than to do what we just did. You know, what we do here in our worship settings is just practice. The real opportunity to worship comes in your car. It comes in the road. It comes in the shower. It comes when you get the wrong phone call and when you feel the wrong system and you see the wrong number in the bank account and you get the wrong report and you're watching the news. And you, that, that's, when is a good time to worship? When it's good and when it's not good. It's always a good time to worship. But if you're going to pick one or the other, I'd rather worship when it's bad because that's when I need my confidence built. Paul and Silas needed their confidence built when they're in the bottom of the prison saying, God, you're not done yet. You didn't bring us this far to leave us down here to torment and to, to, to wither away and to have our heads chopped off tomorrow morning. We'll do it for your glory, but I know you're not done yet. I know you have a plan. I know you have a purpose. Amen. You got to have a confidence. I can get loud. I'm not worried about that. Confidence is the result of consumption. Confidence is the result of consumption. Confidence is the result of consumption. What I consume is where I build my confidence, right? If I hear doubt and unbelief and worry coming out, I know what we've been looking at, consuming, taking in. It, 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 right? What goes in eventually comes out. It, it's a proving ground of what you've been consuming. I, I saw someone today that says, if you want to consume the media and you want to consume what the news is saying, you want to consume, that's fine. Just know nothing beneficial is going to come out of you. Just know that. You can watch all the news reports you want and you can, you can settle on whatever you want to settle on and you can take all that in. Just know that there's no way anything good and beneficial is going to come out of you. It, it's impossible. It's a a law of the kingdom. It's a law of nature. You only reap what you sow. There's no other way around it. So confidence is a result of consumption. Now, I can consume good. I can consume bad. I can consume things that build my faith. I can consume things that build my fear. Whatever I consume is where I build my confidence. If you really think about it, worry is really just faith in reverse. Worry is just faith in the wrong conclusion. 
Worry is just faith. Uh, one of my messages that I preached during the whole, you know, shutdown thing, and I was down there, you know, preaching in an empty room to nobody, preaching these messages on faith and trying to stir people up, just trying to hang you over until we could get these doors back opened again. And one of the, the things that I said is what will happen is, is faith comes to a conclusion and then collects evidence to support the conclusion. I'll say that again. Faith comes to a conclusion. Faith is, the, is a trust in the end result. And then what I do is I build evidence to support the conclusion that God says. If I'm not careful, I will build evidence that tries to support the wrong conclusion. You, you know, you can build evidence to support whatever conclusion you want to come to. Man, we got to be careful with that. Proof, Numbers chapter 13. Moses sends in 12 spies to go into the, the promised land. That's already theirs. That was the conclusion. God's conclusion was, this is yours. God's conclusion was, this belongs to you. God's conclusion was, this is your land. He wasn't, them, he wasn't sending them into the promised land to get a report. He was sending them into the promised land with a report. You see the difference? I'm not going into the promised land to, to determine if this is my land or not. I'm going in knowing it's my land. And I'm spying out how I'm going to take it, not if I'm going to take it. What is that called? It's called confidence. Well, only two out of 12 came back. Well, only two out of 12 went in with the confidence and came back with the assurance, it's ours no matter what we see. You gotta know that. Victory is yours no matter what comes. I said, victory is yours no matter what happens. Victory is yours. I don't care what the bank account looks like. Victory is yours. I don't care what the doctor said. Victory is yours. I don't care what it looks like externally. Victory is yours. Faith isn't based on external circumstances. Faith changes external circumstances. I'll say that again. Faith is not based on external. Well, if it all goes right, then I got faith in God. It's going to happen. No, faith changes. What is out of line brings it in alignment with his word. We got to have a confidence. Confidence is the result of consumption. So what is his answer? What is God's, what does Jesus say? This is what we need to do. This is how we're going to build our confidence. Do not worry. That's easy to say to someone, do, oh, don't worry about it. But Jesus gives us the answer. He says what? Look at, consider. Considering builds confidence. When you are low on confidence, ask yourself the question, what am I considering? What am I looking at? What have I spent time dwelling on? Because that's where your confidence is built. What you've been consuming, what you've been taking in. Amen. He says, look at. He even goes further in verse uh, 33, and he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. He said, fine, if you want to, 
if you want to look at the other stuff, first look at my stuff. But here's the thing. If you will seek first the kingdom, you'll find out there's no more seeking you'll need to do. I said, if you'll seek first the kingdom, you'll find out there's no more seeking we need to do. No more. I don't need to do any more seeking on this. I found everything I need in the kingdom. I found everything I need in God's plan. I found out I've I've got everything I need right here. I don't need to seek the bank account. I don't need to seek the credit card. I don't need to seek another doctor's report. I don't need to seek what this person would say or what this person would do. I have God's kingdom. I have his word. That's all I need. Come on. You got to be settled in this thing, confident in this thing, assured in this thing. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means I want to be in right alignment. So once I've considered, once I have sought the kingdom, now I need to find myself in right alignment with his plan. That's what righteousness means. Righteousness simply means to be right alignment with the authority of God. So if I'm not seeing things change, then I need to know, look, there's nothing that helps you build confidence than when you know you're in right alignment. Point, object lesson, you're going down the interstate, you see a cop on the side, what's the first thing you do? Everybody hits that brake. It don't matter, it don't matter if you are going the speed limit, it don't matter if you're going 10 under, there's just something on the inside that says, oh. But man, when you know, when you know, you can confidently respond and say, I know. Righteousness is a great confidence builder. Being in right alignment. Now I know, God, I've I've done everything you've called me to do. I've been right alignment with your word. I have stayed right. I've said what you've told me to say. I've gone where you've told me to go. I've done. Jesus had confidence that his father was gonna come through for him because he did everything that his father told him to do. He went everywhere. See, when you're out of alignment, confidence wanes. It's like, oh, I, I missed it there. That might be why this is taking place. That might be why my confidence isn't that great. Righteousness is a great confidence builder. There was one time, one of the hospital trips coming home, we got pulled over. And I had confidence because I was on cruise control. Now, I was on cruise control, 10 over, because I have confidence the cops will not pull me over within that 10 mile. He pulled me over and he says, I got you going 86. I said, sir, that's impossible. I have cruise control at 80. He said, well, it might be your tires. I got you at 85 or 86. I said, 85 or 86, which is it? Pick one. He said, well, you know, there might be a five or six mile an hour difference. You know, you might want to go get your tires checked out. I said, that's fine. I know what I'm set at. I can show you what I'm set at. It's confidence. You ain't writing me a ticket. I know. You can can put whatever you want on a ticket. I know. Man, that's such a confidence booster when I know I'm there. Now, you want to say you're going 80 and you want to give me a ticket, you're in your rightful place. You can do that. You'd be the first cop in 15 years that's ever given me one for. Sure, I was out of alignment there, but I know what I was going and I know that I wasn't going what he told me. 
Come on. We need to get some cruise control on our confidence. We need to have some, you like that? We need to have cruise control confidence. Yeah. I'm, I'm penning that one. Trademark it. I'm taking that. Cruise control confidence. I've got my righteousness. I'm right in God's told me to be. And look, when you know you're in alignment with his word, you can make a demand on his promise. God, what to do. But you're demanding, God, you said in your word. Abraham, David, manned on God's promise. Moses made a demand on God's promise. David made a demand on God's promise. David charged that giant, making a demand. I mean, the Lord will fight for me. And what did he say? Uh, He brought me through the bear. He brought me through the lion. And he'll help me defeat this giant too. And even even when Goliath, the enemy, retorted back, he didn't back down and say, well, you know, I didn't think about that. No, he stood his ground. Stood his ground. So I want to consider. It means I'm looking, at, I'm looking around at what God is doing. For everything the enemy shows you that God is not doing, you have something more to look at that says, no, God is doing. You can wake up every morning and find something new that God is doing that will build confidence. Number two, seek the kingdom. That means seek his ways, seek his plan. God, what's your plan on this thing? What's, what's your way? How do you want to get this thing accomplished? How, how do you want to, to, to work through my life? How do you want to use me? I'm not stepping on the outside saying, God, I need you. You're saying, God, how, 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 how can I be part of your plan? And then thirdly, be in right alignment. Righteousness. It's a great confidence booster. We got to build our confidence, boost our confidence, build our assurance in his word. What am I being confident in? What am I being assured of? Number one, I'm being confident in who he is. In who he is. Do you know who he is? Do you know what he's capable of doing? Do you know what he's done before? For yourself. Look, getting acquainted with God means you get to know him for yourself, not someone else's version of him. Get acquainted with the Father. Get acquainted with who he is. He wants to show you. He wants to reveal himself to you. You need him to be a healer, he'll reveal himself as a healer. That scare you, Kyle? You all right? Need you to have some confidence, man. Come on. Getting a little shake in there. Yeah, a little jittery. (laughs) Amen. Get acquainted with the Father. Number two, I need to know who I am. Number one, I need to know who the Father is. Number two, I need to know who I am. You know, some of us, we know who he is, but we don't know who we are. We don't know how he sees us. Your identity is huge. The enemy will run all over people who don't know who they are. You see it every day. A lot of what, I, what we see in the world today is just lost identity. Just lost identity. Don't know who you are. Don't know what is available to you. Don't know what's at your, what you have at your disposal. 
We got to know who he is. We got to know who we are. We got to build our confidence. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.